going to opening day tomorrow. Are you? you? Yeah. I was debating. Every year I debate it. I've even gotten tickets for opening day in the past years, and it's really? always like snowed out or something. I've had to return. I know. It's going to be, it's gonna be chilly tomorrow. Who are they playing? Uh, San Francisco? The, uh, the Giants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is Jeter still with the team? <laughs> he is in my heart. That's, that's what my shirt will say. Um, <laughs> Marry me, Jeter. I'll be like, go home, old man. Um, um, Derek. Yeah, Peter. I have not two. been to the new stadium. I, I, oh, really? All these, no, no, I never last have either. Time, last time I saw a game was 2011. It was the last time I saw a Yankees game. Wow. Oh, it's it's I it's nice. Been. It's expensive, yeah. but it's nice. <laughs> I want to go. When's Why the, can't uh, I go? The Mets' first game is the tomorrow. The Mets' season is already over. The Mets' season's already over. It's already done. Yeah, they've already, they're already out of the playoffs. Did you see what happened to Edwin Diaz, our no. star closer, best closer in, in baseball? No. In the World Baseball Classic, he's playing for Puerto Rico. Oh, threw, yes! Threw, threw the final pitch, won the game, was jumping up and down the mound, celebrating... Destroyed his leg and is out for the season. Yeah. He gets paid $96 trillion. He's out oh for the my season. God. My dad was telling me about that the other day. He's like, yeah, the guy lost it. He lost the entire season from celebrating. Terrible. Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. You <laughs> dumb fuck faces. I hate you. Coming soon. <laughs> Assholes. How much money do you have to make before you stop jumping? Don't jump on a mound. You're on a mound. It's uneven ground by design. By definition, it's a mound. Don't maybe don't jump on it. Don't jump on the mound, Robert Redford. Uh, <laughs> those things are new. <laughs> Wait, right? Wasn't that the big was this that's what I kept thinking of the whole oh, time? Wasn't that a, wasn't no 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 wasn't that a big thing that like uh, Demi Moore got those were, were freshly Yes I would imagine. So Rip Taylor lost a toupee and Demi Moore got implants. Everyone's having change big changes. Big changes big, happening in ninety-three. <laughs> Coming soon. I was up late I was watching Mad Men last night, too late. And then I was oh. like, oh, I have to, yeah, Mad Men, it's this new show. Anyway, I <laughs> heard say that. Why? <laughs> well, I'll do you, I'll do you one better. You know what we've been watching at night? What? Columbo. Okay, so. They're all yeah, on Peacock. <laughs> they're great. They're great. <laughs> they are amazing. That's my, that was, that's like my mom's favorite. I love Columbo. Speaking of Columbo, Kate sent me a video and I, 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 I meant to, uh, I meant to send you all this video. Kate sent me a video and I'm like, wait, is this real? It must've been from the nineties. It's all these like, I guess, and actually come to think of it, it must've been like NBC stars singing Let It Be by the Beatles. And it's like, it's just with Huey Lewis, it's Jason Alexander. uh, It's all these random actors. But Peter Falk at one point just turns around in like a sweater and is like, yeah, and he gives a thumbs up. Does this at all sound familiar to you? No, but I want to see it. I'll send yeah, it to I love you. those types of things. They 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 they, they used to do that stuff. Remember when we were kids? They'd be like, yeah, of course, for the false lineup. I say like, everybody one. on the network. I love that shit. So I good. Love that Joyce shit. Dewitt, Fonzie, you know, half yeah, the cast. Yeah, they're all coming of, out of ha- as if they all live together on a street in San Francisco, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, and they're painting a house and shit. And it's yes, amazing. I've seen that. And they're singing. Yeah, that one. I went. I went down a rabbit hole on YouTube recently. Like so looking up I. like those promos, like to, I was like, they're just so much fun. And then, Same. yeah. Oh my god! This but yeah, is Peter Falk. Stupid. 
if it was from the nineties, cause he, they, he re, um, they did a reboot of Columbo, I think, in the 90s. So oh, yeah, they did that. a lot of, like, movie, like, movie of the week, Columbo. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, Columbo yeah. goes to Brazil, and he's there for a week or whatever, <laughs> solving the way. I remember one where it was, like, you could tell it was, like, a newer Columbo, because it was clearly about a Spielberg-like director, like, who uh-huh. was, like, who was, like, a wonderkind, who, like, like, had pinball machines in his office, and he was, like, the Hollywood, you know, blockbuster king or something. <laughs> he's like, oh, boy, quite a setup you got here. You know, I mean, it was, like, very, and I was, like, oh, this is the, this is, like, their modern. <laughs> what is that, an E.T. over there? Oh, there's a shock. Oh, look out. <laughs> what is this list? I don't mean to bother you. I found this list on the floor. Just one more thing. There's all these names. Stein, Steen, Berg, Boyg. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Rated R. Welcome to episode 93 of Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisse. And this week, for episode 93, we travel back to 1993, specifically April 9th, 1993, and the 30th anniversary of the highly popular family film The Sandlot, and the only erotic thriller to see its climax hinge on Woody Harrelson's purchase of a hippopotamus from Billy Connolly, (laughs) Indecent Proposal... (laughs) What the living fuck. (laughs) But before we dive into the week's films, where were we all in April of 1993? I know what we were. We were. I know what Fred was getting ready to play. The Measure for Measure Elf. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Weren't you getting ready to play the Measure for Measure Elf? No, this was after that. Measure for Measure had closed. Yeah, we were all in Russia. I was about to open in Lyle Kessler's Orphans. That I self-produced oh, yeah. with uh, good friends Pete and Al, yeah, right, yeah, right, 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 right. right. But that we was were a great all, yeah, show. we we were all at Hofstra. You were a sophomore, Dan. I was a junior. You were, uh, senior. you were a senior. The reason we ended up doing Orphans was Spectrum, which was the student uh, theater group there at Hofstra, founded by Francis Ford Coppola. That's right. Yeah. Um, who we mentioned that remember Jason when we went to like there he had an open call yes. for on the road, on the road. <laughs> and we got up at like four in the morning and waited online to get inside and we, you got and he was there and you go there. through and give him your headshot what? and you meet Francis Ford Coppola and we were like oh my oh, God. Oh, we were we were in Spectrum players he's like oh keep moving along, move along. <laughs> he didn't remember what it was did he have to like record a tape of <gasps> us reading yes. something yes we had to record ourselves reading Kerouac yeah. and like yeah. so it was, yeah. We, we sat in the apartment in Queens yes, and recorded us like on a little tape recorder. Oh my God. Yeah. Good memory. I remember that. And then we had the tapes to whoever it went in a box on the side. The whole thing, it was so interesting because at, only in retrospect years later was I like, that's just, just a huge publicity stunt. Like some, yeah. some publicity. It was like, Is that all you, it was? you'll go to a hotel. All these young men will come see you, Francis Ford Coppola. And, you know, we'll mm-hmm, take pictures mm-hmm, and then we'll have actual auditions or, 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 you know, make offers to Leonardo DiCaprio and he'll say no and you'll never make the movie. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I mean, at the time it was like, oh, this might be I got it. interviewed. I was on, I was on the, uh, the evening news. Come on. Yeah. So, I was on the news. Fred always, and, and at that time he said, I can't wait to see Meet Wally Sparks. And they were like, 
<laughs> Every time he gets interviewed for the news, even years before they thought about making a Meet Wally Sparks, he was like, wouldn't it be funny if there was a movie called Meet Wally Sparks? I'm just going to tell people if I ever get in front of a camera, if I'm ever lucky enough to get in front of a camera on the evening news, a, a, B, a Bill Butel, a Roger Grimsby, if somebody gets... <laughs> I'm going to say, I can't wait to see Meet Wally Sparks. But, but, but seriously, on the road, great book, better friend. I don't know. What, what the fuck are you talking about? What does that about? got to do with anything? So, yes, 93 Spectrum. Spectrum plays they were supposed to do. They were supposed to do um, Merrily We Roll Along. And oh yes, I, yeah. And I remember Pete was cast as the main character, uh, Charlie oh, right. Callis, and I, I was. I got cast as um, I'm blanking on his name, but it was, it was the, the role that Jason Alexander played. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, oh, the, now I know what show we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the rights got pulled because they were thinking about yes. doing a revival on Broadway or offered it. So the rights got pulled. So suddenly. And I just remember Pete and I, neither Pete or I were happy about being cast in the show. And we were like, we'll do it, but eh. And then the rights got pulled and there was no Spectrum show for a little. Now they ended up doing Olympus on My Mind. Olympus on My Mind, which is a good show. That's a good show. And it was very funny. But because there was nothing going on, suddenly Pete and I thought, why don't we try to do, because we had talked about wanting to do this play called Orphans. Mm. And we thought, Let, let's see if we can do it, if we can throw it up ourselves. So because there was nothing going on, we jumped on it. Mm. But anyway, so yeah, so right around now, we were just about to open Orphans. And I don't think Pete and I were talking to each other at the time. It was very, there we were, it was, it was very contentious towards the end. Uh, oh, but it's all good. It all worked out. I love you, Pete. It was a great show. It really you was. Guys yeah. and Al, so it was good. good. You were supposed so, so to be good. in it, Jason. We asked you first and you, you were, you Why were holding was I off. not had, able to do it? Beca- because you had I another offer. Remember. You had another offer. You were supposed to do another. I did? Yeah, you what thought you were doing like a. Do? I don't know. You were supposed to. You oh, thought that God you might be sake. doing a spring show or a uh, or another student oh, show. Oh, 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 oh. And there were a lot of student so. shows happening. It was a very, very uh, busy I just can't department. remember what it was. Yeah. It, it, you were waiting to hear about something. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so crazy. It wasn't a, like a department show, right? That I was because I would have known by then. It, it might have been. It was something in the school, and we just thought we were like, "Oh yeah, we got to so make weird. a decision soon." And you're like, "I don't know, I don't know." And then, yeah, we ended up yeah, going. Yeah, that rings uh, a bell now. But I, I, God knows what the hell, because I didn't do. I did do uh, Ivan's show. Ivan Scott's thing in praise of shadows. I did that at the end of the semester, but that was later. Maybe that was it. Mm. I, why would I? Why would I have not done Orphans to do in praise of shadows? <laughs> I always remember after you came to see Orphans, you came up to me and you gave me a was big hug, right? and you're like, "I'm so fucking upset that I didn't do the show. I'm oh my so God. upset that I didn't do the show." That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. No. Oh, oh my God! Yeah, such a good show. Such a good show. Uh, so yeah, so I was making bad decisions. There you go. go. I was doing something. No, I remember In Praise of Shadows, I think was a lovely show. I don't remember much about it. It was Japanese no theater. No being the operative word. Oh. Um, I remember I was, well, no, Dan, what were you, uh, so what show were you in at this time? Were you You in? You know what? I I think probably uh, what. What it was was in the spring. See, because I was still a I was still a um, com major in film production. I hadn't switched over to film um, film theory uh, yet. So it was uh, 
Um, probably I didn't do the spectrum show because the second half of the semester, I knew I was going to be making a film. Now don't ask me what it was or where it was or how I did it or, or, or anything, but it was, it would have been whatever the second course of study was in the filmmaking track. Was that, didn't you make a movie with your buddy, Nick and your sister? That was the first year. Yes, yes, yes. And and literally because, you know, at Hofstra, we used stone knives and bearskins to make our films (laughs) instead of computers. (laughs) It was literally, you cut the film with a splicer and then spliced it with splice tape and then hand cranked it through the editing machine. Like you were in, you know, like you were working for, you know, Georges Méliès in 1914 (laughs) or something. It was ridiculous. But um, and that's but what, you were you doing know, a lot of, of directing, Dan, because you di- you directed me in uh, in something around this time too. You directed really? me in a, in a, in a oh yeah, a big scene from the Respectful Prostitute by Jean Paul Sartre. Oh, so would that for have been for see? And now I didn't take the directing class, so that was probably for like scene night. For like cabaret scene or alpha size scene night. Because remember we had scene. We did so much stuff. Here's the thing. Yeah, you guys we know busy. I'm a college professor in a theater department in the Middle West of what? the nation. Yeah. Wait, what? We packed so much into every semester. We did we did 94 plays every <laughs> semester. It was like we we were always so doing, funny. While we were running, we were like a little rep company. Like when we were running something, we were rehearsing something else. We were never not in the theater. Now it's totally different. The students are in fraternities and sororities. They have a whole life on social media, obviously, that takes a lot of time and effort and energy. And they they have all of these other things that they're involved in and 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 a social life on, on top of it, you know, and it's like they're just not. You know, it's not that they're not committed to the show or the project or the scene or the whatever, but they don't have. I think I also think the core curriculum is more rigorous than it was when we were in school. I mean, yeah. but you were also we're, saying, but you, you teach in a BA program. We were BFA. So but I wasn't, I was, a B, I was a BA, but yes, you guys oh, were yeah. BFA. So that makes sense. Yeah. You know, that makes sense that you guys would have been more involved, but I'm saying everything outside of the classroom, you know, mm-hmm. we had all of our classwork. We still had scenes to do for Peter's class and, and, and Dr. Mason's class and all of that. But outside of the classroom, all the co-curricular or extracurricular stuff, we did a ton of it. We weren't, yeah. we were never not in the theater. Yeah, <laughs> and that's and true. it's just, I don't know how to say it. It's just totally, totally different now. You know, you guys really, I'm going to get a little sentimental. You guys really embraced me so much as, as like one of the gang, as one of the guys, I wasn't a major yet. I wasn't quite yeah. a major yet. Right. They were oh, still we trying to sort Dan, of, we knew. <laughs> could tell from your work it was like more in a minor key no (laughs) that goes and it still is uh but the 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 you know dr mason was was putting sort of gentle pressure and uh, saying saying you know you could do this you could do this as phyllis was as well peter a little bit you know um but you guys were just like come on over come on come on but it was more the friendship the camaraderie always inviting me out to to things always you know i was just brought into the fold in such a, a a lovely and deeply, deeply meaningful way to me that it was like, yeah, of course I want to do this. And then I sat down and talked with Jerry Delamater, the the head of uh, film. And he was like, he was so, he was more excited than I was. He was like, great. You don't want to do film production anymore. 
excellent. We'll move you over to film theory and you'll watch a bunch of movies and you'll write a bunch of papers and, and maybe you'll be a film critic or a film writer someday. And, but, but you know, this will, this will give you a, exactly what you want out of this. You don't want you want to do the filmmaking. I was like, no, I think it's, you know, I'm not digging Betty's class for whatever reason. And I just wasn't digging it. And he's like, fantastic. Come on over. And, and that's how, that's how that sort of played out was you guys from the one end and, you know, and, and the calm thing happening, you know, in sort of a lovely, supportive way from the other side. And, and that's, that was the rest of my college experience was doing theater and calm and, you know, doing a million shows with you guys from there on out. And then you graduated and abandoned us, Jason, and it was all well, over. Yeah. But before I did, I asked you to, that's a, what, what I was doing at this time was I was directing first time directing anything for Dr. Mason for his ah, directing yes. class. And you were in it. You were in what? summer of the, you did a, a summer of the 17th doll. It was you and Jen Baker. And you guys did a scene from wow, that. Wow. Did I forget about that? That was my directing. That was my scene that I directed my directing part. Oh. And, uh, oh my God. Wow. And I was like, you know, really? I was like, and I remember like, I didn't know if it was any good, but I mean, I, it, you guys were great. And I was like, okay, all right, I'm staging the presented it in the class. And I thought, wow. I, mean, I just wanted to like get by, by the skin of my teeth. I just wanted, you know, Mason <laughs> not to, ins, you know, like to tear it apart or whatever. <laughs> he and could he was, tear it he apart. Was, and he was, he could really tear things apart. And he was very complimentary and, you know, in the class. And I was like, whew, great. Got, uh, Got through that. And then was I, I remember in a tank top I was, for that. I have a yeah, vague you recollection. Were, you were in a really? tank top. On, you should have. How did you not the, get an F uh, for that choice? The arm of a cat. <laughs> oh no, you were great. Drinking, drinking a beer, I believe. Um, wow. Yeah, the, it was an Australian piece. It was, it was a, a brilliant Christmas, play. Christmas in Australia, yeah. Yep. Um, you and Jen were fantastic. And uh, you, You're taking me back. I, remember, I was so intimidated by Jen because she was a powerhouse. Yeah, she was, oh, she was a senior. She was the, she was the she mad was woman of Shio the, def, the, yeah. the, the semester before. She was she, had been, she was Elizabeth Proctor opposite me yes. in junior and she, year. And she was an amazing actor. Badass. And she was yes. just a badass with her leather jacket and her sunglasses and her cigarette. I mean, she it was still just is. like, I don't, this is I don't a know if badass she, woman here. I don't know if she, she still listens is. to the podcast. Oh, yeah, that's right. You oh, saw she her is. But I think recently, Rick, right? I think Rick listens uh, sometimes, but yeah, Rick, Rick, your wife's a badass. Your, your you, wife is a badass. You're okay. Jen ba no, Rick's a badass. Rick's a badass. He's been with Jennifer for how many years? Almost 30 years he's been with her. That's badass. I want to go on record saying I'm Jennifer tired of everyone, everyone except me being a badass. I don't like that. Why is everyone <laughs> except me? You were bad and your ass was exposed. <laughs> no. <laughs> And yet I still got a good grade on that scene. No, you were fantastic. Yet, despite that. No, I'm you and Jen were great together. I was very good. I'm, I was wow, good at casting. Wow, you're taking me back. I was good casting. But I remember- Rick Savala, you're great too. Cast us all on something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I just turned that out. Dr. Mason came and found me at like uh, oh. a week later. At uh, I guess I was waiting to go into rehearsal for Ivan's thing. I remember it was mm. in the Emily Lowe. And I don't know why I would have run into, I guess Dr. Mason maybe had an office in there. I don't know. He, I remember he his office used holes. to be in the playhouse, but he was around. And he like stopped me and I was like really dis something, something was distracting me, something personal life wise, something with Annette was distracting me with my girlfriend at the time. I was not open to hearing anything he had to say, but he was like really trying to like sit me down to tell me that I should be a director. And he was like, Whoa. really, he's like, I think you really, I think it's real. You really have the, the, the knack for it, the aptitude. <gasps> I think you should seriously consider it. And I was like, he oh, was that's right. very nice. That's very nice. Uh, very, very nice. And I, I didn't really hear it. And then years later, like almost 
I don't know, 15 years later when I was like, I think I'd like to direct something. Then I start and I was directing a piece and really, really enjoying myself. And I was like, uh, I, maybe I am good at this. And then I remember Dr. Oh. Mays. I was like, oh, wait, that guy that I liked, <laughs> that professor that I was so afraid of and enamored with was, uh, you know, See? telling me I should have done this a long, long time ago. Oh. So that was my that was my warm, fuzzy memory of this time that That's and and getting ready to do Fort Salem theater with Fred. But we've talked about that many times before, and I'm sure we'll talk about it many times again. Well, but and getting was, ready to graduate. I was getting ready to graduate. Yeah, totally. Yeah, very, very afraid of, of the world and what, mm. what life. I had no idea what the felt I was going to do. I was doing, you know, <laughs> doing my, my showcase, you know, like we were getting ready to do our showcase. I remember doing a song with, it was like, so I didn't know what the hell to do. I, I think I did a speech of... <laughs> It was great choice to like wind up doing material uh, exclusively from things that I wasn't good enough to get cast in at Hofstra proper. I did, I did Angelo's speech from Measure for Measure. Was I Angelo in Measure for Measure? No. Pete Giambalvo was. Clearly I wasn't a good enough Angelo. So why was I thinking that I was going to impress agents by doing a, a scene as Angelo? Whatever. I did that. Failed. And, uh, and I, and I sang a song from the pajama game with Christy Wolling again. Fabulous. I didn't play that. That was what Dennis Stowe played the part when they actually did it. Why was I? See, I wasn't the person. If I'm not good enough to do the thing at school, why do I think an agent's going to be like, you got the moxie, kid. You got the, you could do this on a larger stage. No, not possible. But no, look at you true. today. I'd be very good in both of those parts. And now you're like you a million would. dollar hippo. Oh, <laughs> look at that. God. What are you doing? Look at those before pictures. Um, yes. <laughs> Million dollar hippo. I wish they would have just called it that. That would have been so much better. <sighs> it's an indecent proposal. I got money. I got security. I have businesses, but you have something that I just don't have. Well, I guess there's limits to what money can buy. Not many. Some things aren't for sale. Such as? But you can't buy people. So what are you saying? You can't buy love? That's a bit of a cliche, don't you think? It's absolutely true. Well, let's test the cliche. Suppose I were to offer you one million dollars for one night with your wife. I can't speak. David, I think you want me to do it. Why do you want to do it? David and Diana Murphy, played by Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore, are a loving couple with a bright future. David is a talented architect. Diana is a top-notch real estate agent. But when recession hits, their finances take a nosedive. In a last-ditch effort to save their dream home, they head to Las Vegas hoping to win their mortgage money by gambling. After they lose everything, however, a handsome billionaire, played by Robert Redford, offers the solution to their money problems. One million dollars in exchange for a night of passion with Diana. 
Indecent proposal is a hot mess that mimics the era's fatal attraction slash basic instinct marketing campaign to a T, features a fantastic supporting turn by Oliver Platt, and boasts cameos ranging from the ridiculous, a toupee Rip Taylor, to the sublime, Demi Moore's right nipple. The movie, despite having the self-destructive audacity to, as I mentioned earlier, film its climax as a bidding war over a hippopotamus, was a huge hit, taking in $18.4 million over for its opening weekend, $106.6 million domestically, and $266.6 million worldwide. This was a huge fucking hit. Fred and Dan, what do you guys think of Indecent Proposal? I don't know what to make of this movie. I don't know what nope. to make of this movie. <laughs> I, I never saw it. When it came out, I remember like the marketing was, I feel like there was a lot of controversy around the movie and they yeah. really, they mark. And was it, I mean, we sort of, we, we, we touched upon this. Oh, I wish we touched upon this uh, earlier. I feel like, I hate to say it. I feel like there was a lot of controversy over Demi Moore, maybe getting some plastic surgery for the movie. I, 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 I don't know if it was, I, as I was watching it, I'm like, was there, was, I, I feel like that's something that like, you know, the media would grasp onto, you know, uh, Hey, Oh, um, I can't remember but, if it was around this film or, strip or around tease? striptease a few yeah. years later. I just remember it was in the news, which is unfortunate that that's what it comes to, but, um, mm. it, it, you know, it, it was, uh, but no, I never, so this is my first time, Seeing it, I don't think I I'd, I'd seen a single scene from it. Um, and you know, it's it's a fascinating idea in Agreed. theory because it's one of those like hypotheticals that it's such right. a simple thing. Like, uh, would you do it for a million dollars? You know, and you can see the pitch meeting in your mind. Yeah, for this. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just watching it the whole time. Go well. First of all, I'm watching the whole time, going, "Oh my God, that's Billy Bob Thornton! Oh my God, that's Sheena Easton! Right. Oh my God, that's Herbie Hancock! Oh my God, that's Rip Taylor! And why is Seymour <laughs> Cassell wearing Rip Taylor's toupee?" <laughs> very, very good. Thank now, you, listen, thank if you, you have Hancock, Easton, and Rip Taylor as the triumvirate in this movie, you've got my money. If it's Rip Taylor trying to get, trying to sleep with Herbie Hancock, but Sheena Easton won't let him. But Rip Taylor's like, I'll give you twenty dollars. He's like, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you a million dollars, and it's like all his confetti. But when you close it, but <laughs> each piece of confetti, <laughs> each piece of confetti has a little George Washington. <laughs> He's like, oh, you wanted real money? Oh. <laughs> now you've got my money. That was so random. That was the most shocking was cameo of, in any movie yeah. I think I've ever seen. I would never dream of forcing you to do anything. Billy Connolly, like doing stand up, and, yeah. and the hippopotamus was a <laughs> random cameo. There's a moment where Woody Harrelson is sitting with his dog, and right. all of a sudden you see a flash of a real. Yes. He's playing with a hippopotamus toy, and it cuts to a real live hippopotamus's right. mouth opening its mouth. And then it cuts back to him sitting on the couch. I thought it was like fucking LSD trip. I was like, what, what is happening? And then it what flashes again to a live hippopotamus. And I'm like, why have we been told? 
told anything about this? Have we seen hippos earlier in the movie? Did, uh, yeah, it's the type of thing that would happen if Demi Moore had been eaten by a hippo and, and uh, Woody Harrelson was having a bad flashback to the death of his wife. Otherwise, it's like, where is this coming from? Lots of, lots of trash. Hey, I'm Rip Taylor. Could you die? <laughs> as an actor, I've had the chance to perform on Broadway in the movies and on TV. And as a comedian, I've thrown confetti all over the world. <laughs> but as a child, my world was made up of abusive parents in foster homes. Then to save myself, I developed a code of comedy and eventually made a career of it. Now, please oh, call this number if you like Fatal Attraction, much more... I think better filmed and more titillating. You know, I, I I think I think that's that is titillating the the scenes in in Fatal Attraction. Mm, I think this is yes. trying to ape that and unsuccessfully. It was more like oh, like I think Demi Moore is one of the most beautiful women in the world. I wasn't mm. like this movie didn't turn me on at all. No. I, it really didn't. I mean, she's beautiful, but it's. I mean, even the little bit of. Like we said, like it's shocking to see him like flipping her over and this and that. But they're all such quick cuts. Even that sex scene is not it's yeah. it, I didn't find it particularly erotic. I just thought it was like just a bunch of like quick shots of people in. It was almost like the Team America dolls, like, you know, just putting them in different <laughs> positions <laughs> and like, oh, my goodness, his face is there. Oh, my. She's doing that. But and it was vomits I, I everywhere. Find, oh, wait, that's the other. <laughs> but I didn't find it very exciting. And 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 no. that's about it for the sex in the for a movie that's you think is it's going to be packed with sex. Proposal. You think right. it's going to be packed with that. You think it's going to be more. It's really you not. never see. I mean, you barely see Robert Redford kiss her. But I'm glad that they don't do that. And I'm glad oh. that they don't show a sex scene. I mean, I almost wish you didn't even see Robert Redford and Demi Moore ever kiss. Because to me, the most interesting aspects of the movie to me were, you know, um, the, the sort of psychological uh, things that Woody Harold that they all have to go through, and and the moments where, you know, like it's it's fucking icky when Woody Harrelson just has to sort of leave her there when they know what they're doing. It's getting to that point. It's like I said earlier, it's like that having that hypothetical, like, oh, this is ridiculous. This is a ridiculous hypothetical right. situation, but it's happening. So what would you do? And for right. whatever reasons, they decide to go through with it, and. You could have gone to a really, and maybe maybe at the time in 93, it felt that way, but I feel like they missed the mark that it could have gone to a really dark psychological place about what happens. And there's, I don't know if you guys watch The White Lotus at all, but in the second yes. season, and, and, and I won't give anything away, but Dan, you'll know what I'm talking about. In the second yep. season, there's an incredible moment where they explore a character grappling with what may have happened there may have yes, been an yeah. infidelity and yep. god it is done fucking brilliantly and yep. you feel it like you get inside in in this really simple way you just get inside this character's head and and feel the the, the anguish and the, I'll, I will never know. I will never know what happened. And I feel like mm -hmm. that could have been something really interesting to explore. And mm -hmm. it sort of goes there. Um, but 
But the, the upshot like doesn't work. The upshot no. of it doesn't work. It just leads to Woody Harrelson moping for an hour. I don't yes. need to see him. Mo- it's just mopery. He's just constantly moping around. That's the only, it's not a psychological struggle. He just no. winds up moping. Then he gets a job as a teacher and then he buys a hippo <laughs> and then the movie's over. Se- I, 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 it's, it's what? It's crazy how the last half hour of this thing just jumps from beat to beat. Like all of a sudden she's in this long, Stand, like what seems like a long-standing relationship with Redford. They're getting out of the car. It's like, when did we, you know, the connective tissue between him trying to seduce her or woo her, and then all of a sudden they're a couple, and they just basically have a life together. You know what I mean? It, Fully. it really jumps. But they're not and divorced yeah. yet over here. So Yeah, the, and, Woody, and, and Woody's thing about becoming a teacher. You know, how, he's how, becoming, he's giving inspirational speeches about, about architecture, bricks. It's so about bad. bricks. It's very bad. Louis Kahn said, even a brick wants to be something. Uh. A brick wants to be something. Uh. It aspires. Uh. Even a common, ordinary brick wants to be something more than it is. Uh. 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 Hey, I'm Rip Taylor, could you die? <laughs> I, I have I have a new I have news for you, Adrian. Line absolutely no college students in the history of college have ever worn a beret. Go ahead, <laughs> <laughs> unless they're well, in Paris inter- in the forties or something. It's interesting that you say that because I feel 60s. like they're trying the to 60s. make. I feel like they're trying to make sort of like a foreign film with this with all of this. I feel like that's it's foreign to me in terms of, you know, human emotion. <laughs> Caring about it. Being, being, being rec- recognizable human behavior. <laughs> yeah, this is so stupid. Here we go again with with a movie that that you can't pack your movie with protagonists who are simpletons. You cannot do this and help and hope hope against hope that we care based on the likability of Woody Harrelson from Cheers and Demi Moore from other things. You can't just say we'll put like stars in this and that'll be enough so many movies do this and just sort of, and the same thing with redford i think this is a more interesting movie if you if he's not sundance if he's not a dashing handsome yes she would she would you know if she weren't with willie Harrelson, she might be attracted to him anyway and she is attracted to him and it's very clear that that that's something she's wrestling with is her actual real attraction for him but you know, if you go the other way, if it's, you know, Fisher Billy Stevens, yeah, or, or you know, if, if you put, you know, Rip I mean, Taylor. Same, if you put, if it's Rip Taylor, <laughs> now you have a movie. To save myself, I developed a code of comedy and eventually made a career of it. But, and actually, you know, it's so funny because The Simpsons does this, of course. In, a, in an episode called Half Decent Proposal. And, it, and it's uh, and it's Artie Ziff, who's played by John Lovitz, who asks to sleep with Marge because he's the old flame of Marge. It's hilarious. But, uh, you know, of course, the, th- that would make it more interesting, right? If it wasn't, or would it? I don't know. But, uh, well, but it, it would make it less it, sexy, but it's like, and I agree with you, It would make it more transactional and you wouldn't have... You might not have Woody Harrelson's fear that she actually was attracted to him. You but know what I mean? Wouldn't it be more it's interesting if she was attracted? If she oh, she's found still herself? The, okay, you know, what yeah. I mean? let's say it's somebody in the middle, like uh, like a Jeff Goldblum or somebody like that, somebody who's unconventionally 
handsome or something. Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who, who, who you, who sure. you sort of, you know, you don't think at first that this is going to be anything. And then it becomes a something despite everybody's best interest. You know, I, I don't know. It, it just, it's very by the numbers. It's very, like you just said, it's a coloring book. It's a paint by numbers. And you can't, if you're going to win, if you're going to go to Vegas and try to win money, you, they win $25,000, $25,000. They had the greatest weekend anyone's ever had in Vegas ever playing what? The, the, the games that have the best chance of winning craps, right? Is one of the, is one of the games that has the best odds for the player. Blackjack is the other roulette has the worst odds. You play roulette, you're gonna lose. You're going to lose. You're not, you're telling me that these two are so dumb that they don't realize that. And it's just so you can't, (laughs) but now I don't care about you. We've said this about a million movies. It's like, if you make, if you make the protagonists simpletons, I, I now want to see them fail. And they're throwing the money around like they are Rip Taylor. That drove me nuts too. (laughs) No, they they made all this money. They have no money. They make all this money, which I agree with you is ridiculous. It was the stupidest thing in the world. Like he gets this epiphany. Let's go to Vegas. Right. That was just dumb. As if that's a solution that nobody else could think of. Exactly. Like it's the greatest. Exactly. As if he invented the cotton gin. And he was like, (laughs) I know. It's like, why don't I go to Vegas and try to make more money? But then he's just throwing it around. And you're just going, Ugh. no, Adrian Lyon. Like, uh, y- He's yes, throwing it we, around. Yes, She's rolling in it, getting. Uh, Kate was like, that's the origins of COVID right there. Just rolling around <laughs> naked on a bed of dirty, dirty Las Vegas money. Like, it's just uh, like, she was uh, the, the sanitary aspects were what really upset her. She was like, oh my God, money's filthy. I was like, I don't know, but it's, you know, it's an image. Um, but I like how he's like, and then he's doing the math. He's like, we made, well, we made $25,000 today. So by that metric, I figure uh, by tomorrow afternoon, we should be out of the hole. Like, he does it like as if showing up to Vegas and being there for a day and a half equals $25,000. So if I a, just stay another day and a half, we'll be fine. This like, is a guy who later doesn't in the understand movie, he's lucky. You, later in the movie, you find he's like top of his class and win, an award winning uh, <laughs> yeah. architect. And he's brilliant. And, and the world loves his work and all. And he's been accolade. He's been lauded for yeah. his work. And it's like. You can't have that in a movie where Woody Harrelson is all, all, just about as dumb as his character from Cheers. You can't Absolutely. do that. You can't it, do this, both things. It really is infidelity, the coloring book. It is the, It is so fucking <laughs> jaw-droppingly simple. Stupid. Uh, and, it is, and it's more showgirls than Fatal Attraction because it's no, dumb. Yeah, yep. it's, it's, it verges on dumb on that level, like in terms of the just like you say, like the pure simplicity and the simpleton-like nature of the characters. But oh. Because other than Oliver Platt, <laughs> who's fantastic, it's like you're but just he's in looking another movie. to see... Yeah, he's in a totally he's different in, movie. He's in the movie I would like to see. He's yeah. in the movie I would watch. He was the only part of the movie that I enjoyed. I, th- I thought he was great in every scene, and I thought... I was like, that was a good scene. That was a fun scene. I thought mm-hmm. the scene with him and Redford was good. I thought the scene with him, the scene with him and Woody Harrelson, where Woody Harrelson doesn't talk at all, but Oliver Platt does all the talking. Yeah. Also a good scene. He had one other scene uh, that with was- With the two uh, guys. With, with the, the two, two guys. writers. Fantastic. Best, that was one of the best here, <laughs> Him <Yeah>. negotiating <laughs> like a sex He act. was great, but you, it didn't, it, it was it, it was a comedy. You know, the stuff that, which was good. great. I, I, I enjoyed it. Time. 
Yeah. But it wasn't, it didn't go with the rest of the movie. Agreed. I but agree with you. the rest of the you. movie doesn't go with itself. There are no, there's scenes of hippopotamuses <laughs> and, <laughs> or hippopotami or whatever. And, and Rip Taylor, which are not mutually exclusive, but they were... <laughs> <laughs> My world was made up of abuse. Usually they share a double it's, bill, but not. But it's, but, <laughs> but it's nonsense. With you Jamie know what Farr. I mean? Like, I, I, I agree Farr with you. He's whip. comic relief. But yeah, maybe the reason it's success is because you don't, there's not a, a there's not a tone or there's not anything to, to juxtapose it with. It's not like he's complimenting something that is well formed. It's, it's all over the place. Just telling you what kind of a movie it thinks it is and wants to be. And then he's there being like, well, this is what I do. This is what I can bring to it. And he does. And you know, I, I don't know. It didn't bother me that it was, I don't know what the movie is to say like, Oh, this is the wrong movie. That's that's what I was saying in the beginning. Like, I don't know what to think of this movie. (laughs) Like, yeah, again, I, I, like Oliver Platt, I thought he was really good. It was just jarring to me. It didn't fit what he was doing. Didn't fit in with the rest in the movie, but what he was doing was the best part of the movie. So I, you know, and I don't know, I don't know if maybe I kept thinking like, should the rest of the movie been played a little bit more uh, satirical, sort of like he's playing it. Um, but I, I don't know, but you, I mean, you're right. You said before, like, you know, they're, they're telling us so much like the, the, the narration in the beginning, and uh, towards the end, it's literally explaining Ugh. what we're seeing. So, yeah, w- I don't. I think they were confused when they put the, when they were trying to put the movie together. I don't. It again, it's like such a a great could have been a great idea, and it just goes off the rails, and it doesn't. It just doesn't add up to anything. And they give this, you know, which I. Uh, there's a part of me which I'm happy that there's a backstory to Robert Redford and he's not just this nefarious, icky guy, you know, because I, I don't know if that would have worked. There's a part of me that thought, would it work better if Redford was just an asshole and just saying, no, I don't, I, no, I'm a millionaire. it works better like, this you know, way. And that's the, yeah, that's why he's a good, you know, he is a fascinating character. And I could see why Redford, other than the money, was drawn to this, you yeah. know, because it is kind of a fascinating character, that this, this idea of the lonely billionaire who is looking for something, you know, and then by the end, he realizes he still doesn't have it. That's an yeah. interesting journey, you know, and I, you could see why a great actor like Redford was drawn to this. Ladies and gentlemen. The hippo. The animal itself is far too big and angry to bring along. Look at this guy. Thousands and thousands of pounds. My world was made up of abuse. I think that the the final thing that, I mean, hippopotami aside, I think the final thing that, that Woody Harrelson decides to do also makes no sense. He, he, he buys the hippopotamus. He doesn't have the million dollars yet. He doesn't have it yet. It is not yet in his possession. He has to sign the divorce papers to get the million. That's what Oliver Platt said, right? If you if you divorce her, you get everything. You get the million. You get the property that the, and with the ha- half built house on it that Robert Wedford bought out from under you. You get it all. You don't need it. You don't. You, all you got to do is sign. He buys the hippopotamus first. Now he has to sign. Now there's no <laughs> there's no way out because he doesn't have a million damn dollars. He got nothing. He's oh, got half a million if they split Dan. everything evenly. 
Go Dan, ahead. we know he does that because the hippopotamus is so important to their relationship, which we find out <laughs> an hour and 48 minutes into the movie <laughs> right. in the LSD flashback. Right, that they bonded the, over the hippopotamus oh eating so, the dog. I, I, understand, I understand. It's, it's complete madness. But you see the point I'm making is like, yes. he, he still wants her back. He's done nothing to fight for her. He's done nothing to say, I'm sorry. He's done nothing to actually right. go and get her other than drunkenly throw a, throw a punch at, try to throw a punch at Redford and get taken back home by Seymour Cassell. He's done nothing to try to get his wife back and repair and heal what he, what the, the massive, huge mistake he made before, during, and after the encounter. So all he's left with is, well, I'll, I'll divorce her and take the money, which is locked and sealed when he buys the hippopotamus. So there's no getting her. There's no getting her back. And, and, You're very funny. And, and, and this this, that this sounds like a plot point from Follow That Bird. It's locked and sealed when he buys the hippopotamus. Right. You're right. It's Operation Hippopotamus Drop. It's, 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 it, is, it, doesn't, it doesn't make logical sense what he's doing because he does want her back. And there are ways he can get her back, but he chooses to mope around instead of try to get her back. She's an object. She, she has exactly, and that's he doesn't the biggest care, nobody problem. cares about her. She's an and object. then she goes back to him for no reason at the end. There is no good reason <laughs> right. to go back to moping, never fought for me, never really apologized, never cared about me. Woody Harrelson, he's the he's continuing to mope at the end of the movie. All he does is mope. Why do you want to be with him? That's the movie's biggest flaw. Mar Robert Redford is right. When he says at the beginning, like, if, if you were my wife, I'd never, you know, let you be, it, it, it would not be a, a thing that I would even consider. That's what eats. That's what should be eating away at her all the way through to the end of the movie. Now, he does yeah. have that moment where he rushes, he regrets it instantly and tries to stop the helicopter from taking off. You know, that's good. But uh, I, I, it's impossible to buy that she, you know, if she loves him, she's going to say, no, don't sign the paper. No, 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 no. Don't sign the paper. Wait, stop. You know, yeah. right. She doesn't well, need a, Robert yeah. Redford to release her. That's another terrible thing that happens in this thing. Yeah. You know, of like, he's like, well, uh, uh, let me pretend we, everyone in this car, including Seymour Cassell, knows everything I'm saying is a lie. There isn't a million dollar club. You can tell All that right. from the looks on their faces. And then she says, thank you. Thank you for what? For releasing me? You don't need to be released. If you love Rudy Harrelson, you love Woody Harrelson. If Woody Harrelson loves Demi Moore, he loves Demi Moore. How about these two fight for their relationship that they apparently want and because they're in love with each other? Nobody has to release anybody from everything. The only thing that people need to be released from is Woody Harrelson's mopery. Movie's bad. <laughs> it's very bad. It's very bad. And yeah, and the, and the movie's constantly telling us telling us about their great love by showing us Demi Moore embraces and him in a bad wig and these flashbacks. It, it is, it is so oh, the wigs in the, in the, the high school flashback. Hilarious. So bad. But it's like, the biggest but question it has I to have. tell us how much they love each other because guess we what? Never they have zero it. fucking chemistry. It's, yeah. it's almost Bingo. like there was something where it was like, I guess this was Paramount produced this movie and Paramount also made Cheers. How much you want to bet it's like, we need to transition this guy into a movie star. Like it was like a, a studio done deal and he has no chemistry with her, which is, which is fatal. It's a fatal flaw in a movie where you're, where the, you, you want to hope for that couple to get back together because I don't, I'm like, 
No. God, Demi Moore and Robert Redford look great together. Yeah, and, stay he, together. and he's not and he's not you. throwing bottles of wine at her. He's buying her dogs and a nice house. Right. And I, I, yeah, I just it it doesn't work for me. And the thing about the to me the thing about the um, purchasing the hippo, your logic of like, well, he doesn't. It's you know, it's eating its own tail. He doesn't have the money yet to make that gesture. That's that's a great point to me. I was more like. Really? They're, they're, they're bidding in the tens of thousands of dollars and, you want, and you're going to take all your money? If you have the money, this is why you lost all your money to begin with, because you make stupid, <laughs> stupid, overblown gestures like that, like one million dollars. How about seventy two thousand? That's that's a pretty good price for that hippo. My world was made up of abuse. But it wasn't even a surprise either. I mean, as soon as you saw the weird LSD flashback of the hippo and then they go to an event where, oh, Billy Connolly is auctioning off a hippo. You know exactly what's going to happen. Yes. You know, it's not it's, it's not a it's it's yeah. not a shock at all. It was very it's one of the most predictable no. movies we've watched yeah. on this podcast. My it's, biggest question uh, the whole time was there was a singer in the when they first get to Vegas, and I kept thinking, is that Frankie Carboni's girlfriend from Goodfellas? There's a girl singing, and she looks exactly like the girl who's got a crush on Sammy Davis Jr. and uh, and oh, and Joe Pesci is like Sheena so you can don't that. It's Sheena Easton. Is that the moment you're talking about when Sheena Easton? Is that Sheena Easton? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. She's sitting at a piano next to somebody. It's a it's the yeah. big fancy party at Robert yes. Redford's house. I thought oh, it was that was Kylie Minogue for Sheena a Easton. second, but it's Sheena Easton. I All thought right. it was Wait, Frankie gonna, Carboni's I'm, girlfriend. I'm gonna verify right fellas, now that Joe Pesci dresses down for having a crush on Sammy Davis Jr. No, I think you're right. That was my there. biggest question in this yeah, entire movie. Sheena Easton as self. She was right. great as self. I thought. <laughs> and she did a good job playing that. Roll. Herbie Hancock also. Yes, Herbie himself. Hancock showed up. Well, why? And again, why are these things you're happening? walking around with 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 music legends of the day, and Herbie Hancock is still a music legend today. Yeah. And no one's going, holy fuck, that's Herbie Hancock. Oh my god. No one's saying it. Demi Moore just, just passes like by and he just gives her a nod and she gives him a, a nod back. No one is saying, Holy crap, Herbie Hancock's on your boat. With no one See, else except it's, it's just butlers. a It's like wow, look how rich he is. He's yeah. a celebrity. It, it is something out of The Simpsons. Like of you know, course, like, yeah, but you I've, have to acknowledge that that's who that is. If I walked, if I walked into uh, well, Kroger now thirty years and, later, uh, it's hard and, to know. You know, but. if I walked into Kroger and Hulk Hogan's in there, I'm gonna go, wow, there's Hulk Hogan. I'm not gonna go, yeah, that's typical. <laughs> right, 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 right. I gotta say, I wasn't crazy about Demi Moore in this. That's I'm you. you. I, I you. thought Demi Moore was sort of, and maybe, maybe those are just the takes they chose. I found her to be sort of boring and a blank slate in a lot of it. It seemed like I she agree. was walking through all of this very calmly and almost like she was. <laughs> at times I'm like, is she drugged? It just didn't seem like <laughs> she's sort it, of a zombie. There was yeah. nothing. There was not I think much to going do a sex on. Sex scene me. with Woody Harrelson. I think you gotta like be loaded up on something. I, he I, is, I I'm liked, sure. I liked Woody Harrelson more than I liked Demi in it. Um, just no. in terms of of what they well, were doing. The, yeah, the, she the didn't. Acting, I liked them equally, but his character is like uh, no. no I, I yeah, the, none of the characters were written well. I liked her uh, fine. I, her greatest moment is where she's crying hysterically with those large dish gloves, gloves on, on. <laughs> with the dish gloves. Oh my god! And then Adrian Lyne doesn't cut away from that. He just stays on the shot forever. I'm like, when are you going to cut? 
it's from the a, dish glove it, moment. I keep bringing this movie up, which it, it's such a, it's so perfect at what it does. This is like the Weird Al Yankovic movie. It is it, like, yes. you know, the, the, same the, over, numbers. the same way over the top was like, a per, <laughs> it was, like, <laughs> you know, this perfect like 80s movie that yeah. seems like a self parody. This feels like an early 90s parody of all of these types of movies that now would be lifetime original movies or something like go. that. Or but Hallmark they were like, but they yeah. were the biggest box office hits of the early 90s. And they're just very, it's just. <laughs> They're just Oof. fucking ridiculous. I thought every minute of this was ridiculous. I'm. I also. Dan just said two Sheilas. I would live in two Sheilas as well. Uh, yeah. And both of them are for Oliver Platt. <laughs> yeah, I liked yeah, Oliver Platt. It uh, was good, but I can't give it more than that. I mean, I'd yeah, give it, nobody was I'd give compelling. It two Sheilas for other reasons. For two other things oh. that I found compelling oh. in this movie that I couldn't keep my eyes off of. She's very beautiful. She's very beautiful. And they were impressive. <laughs> they were killing me. I kept saying, I was like, oh, they're killing me. And you were pointing to your smalls when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're killing me, smalls. You're getting me smiles, which brings us to our next film, Leprechaun. <laughs> oh, good, Glaveny Glaven. The Sandlot. I know you're smart and I'm proud of you. I want you to make some friends this summer. Meet Scotty Smalls. Kale, get it! The kid is a L7 Winnie. My life is over. Man, this is baseball. You gotta stop thinking. Just have fun. Climb trees, hop fences, get into trouble. Just stand there and stick your glove out in the air. I'll take care of it. When Scotty Smalls, played by Thomas Geary, moves to a new neighborhood with history's least compatible on-screen parents, mom Karen Allen and stepdad Dennis Leary, he manages to make <laughs> friends with a quirky group of kids who play baseball at the nearby Sandlot, played by the titular Sandlot. Together, they go on a series of adventures and make memories that are narrated Christmas story style by the film's writer and director David Mickey Evans. Less a movie about the love of baseball than a movie about the love of one particular baseball, a collector's item signed by Babe Ruth that winds up in an especially treacherous backyard, The Sandlot is beloved by many despite the fact that its box office fortunes were quite modest in the spring of 1993 as it earned $4.9 million over its opening weekend on its way to a total gross of just $34.3 million. Fred and Dan, what did you boys think of The Sandlot? I was excited to see this. Uh, I played baseball growing up, all growing up. I was in Little League. And when we weren't playing uh, baseball, organized baseball in Little League or high school, I was, you know, we were down at our local park, uh, Kennedy Park, which is where I told you guys, that was the park I would walk through to get to my uh, grade school, Kennedy Park grade school. So we were always down there. Um, we all lived walking distance from it. And it was baseball or tennis baseball uh, in the tennis court uh, all the time. It was just it was ubiquitous throughout our lives. It was very much infused into my DNA. Um, and, uh, 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 you know, it was it was I was not I was kind of like Smalls. I was not a good player, not a good. And I was mm. an outfielder and couldn't really catch and couldn't really throw and was a very bad hitter and was was it was a 
constant struggle. <laughs> um, um, but, you know, they say, oh, it builds character. And, and it did for me. But it was it was a constant struggle of like, I'm not as good as as, as these other kids. But the fact that I was invited to play kind of like with you guys in in in, uh, in college huh. of like, you know, huh. we're inviting you to come play. We, we like what you're bringing to the table, you know, so so we're 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 having you as part of the group. That was kind of why I did it. it was more for the, the camaraderie and the and the friendship. And this movie starts with that. And I was like, oh, this is a lovely this is going to be lovely. This is going to be about the camaraderie, the friendship that's built between these two kids from different backgrounds who are neighbors. Mm -hmm. The one kid's reaching out to the other and saying, no, no, it doesn't matter if you're good or bad or have even played or even know who Babe Ruth is. Come and play with us. Come and play. That's what it's about. It's about the playing of the game. And that's what that's what makes it special. And and I was like, oh, and we're going to learn about their families and the background and the father's going to come in and we're going to learn all this stuff. And then it becomes a movie about getting a ball back from a dog. And I was so disappointed, so let down, so disheartened that that's where this movie goes. And my heart sank. I was like, oh, that's what this is. We're getting a ball back from a dog for the last hour. And then we meet James Earl Jones who reminisces. And then it's over. (laughs) Oh, this was, yeah, I I was this, I had high hopes for this thing and was really, really let down. Um, I just don't think they followed through with all the lovely setup, you know, that they did in the beginning. I thought that, you know, it was, it was, I really felt for smalls. I really did. Especially when it's like, okay, dad, play catch with me, teach me new stepdad. And this is how we'll try to bond. It's sort of like the flip side of what happens in field of dreams and everything. It's like, you know, what if it doesn't go well, that first catch session? What if it's, what if you get hurt? You know, what if, uh, what if dad's sort of a, a, uh, persona non grata around here a little bit and, and we have to build that. And, and the way that we build it is through playing ball. You know, I I just felt it was going to be so much, Maybe I'm being too sentimental about it, but for it to degrade into this very other, this other movie. And then the whole pool sequence was, was fun, but it's like, that had nothing to do with baseball at all. It's like, it's too hot. So let's have a whole other scene about a whole other thing. Uh, I I was, I was really disappointed in this. I I don't, you know, I thought all the performances were fine. You know, it's nice to see Karen Allen uh, do something. She's not given much to do in this, but um um, and, and I, I wanted the main, the, the other main kid, the, the other boy, yeah. um, you know, uh, the, the neighbor boy, who's the really, the one who's really good at baseball, Benny, the jet Benny, I right. wanted to be more of a character. I wanted to know more, more about him other than he really loves baseball. Now, another thing about him, he really loves baseball. Oh, and the third thing, he really loves baseball. That's all, you know, that's all you get to know about the most, the second most significant character in the, in the movie. I just think it fell so short for me. I, I, I couldn't get into it. I kept, I kept being disappointed by it. No, I was, I was sad. I was, I wanted to love this thing, you know? You know who loves it? Go ahead. Kids. This is right. a movie for kids. Yeah. You have yeah. to watch it as a kid. I guess You got to watch so. it with kids. Oh, and I okay. only know that, and I mm. could be wrong. I love this movie. Do you? And I, and I, and I didn't at first. I didn't see it when it came out. And I think, and this is, and in the same way that we could say, you know, there's certain, we've talked about certain movies that are not good. They don't hold up, but you love them because for nostalgic reasons, weird science, or there's something else that we were talking about that you're like, okay, this is not good. And I know they're not, there are things about this movie that aren't 
aren't great. And I agree with you about a lot of stuff. Um, but when, yeah, when it came out, I didn't see it. And then I only saw it with my kids mm. when they were much younger. And I knew that people loved it. Like I knew it had yeah, this like mythology it. It behind is. it. Yeah. And people were like, oh, it's one of the best baseball movies. And I think it's people who grew up with it, who saw it when it came out and were young and grew up with it. So when I first started, when I first watched it with my kids, Kate watched it with the kids first and they really liked it. And then I watched it with them and I was like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> and I've seen it. And for all the reasons that you said, but I tell you, I watch it. I think about the movie and I get choked up because to me, uh-huh. it's, it's huh. not, it's not about baseball. It's a baseball movie, but it's not about baseball. It's about the summer with your friends. Yeah. And it's about that time. And it's when I, when I say it's for kids, because that's what kids, you don't think about backstories when you're kids, you think about, these are the friends that I see. Like, I, I know like we joke about like, but I think about like the VBC kids, like the gang that I hung out with at the summer, you know? And it's like, the I wasn't Harry thinking gang about the- of over older men in the locker room, that gang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> swarthy, swarthy Greeks. And that, yes. yes. Who, when but, you step on their genitals, say, you're killing my balls. I know they're No, it's, it's about, you know, it's, it's, it's about those friendships. It's about those, it's to me, this movie, it's like, it's like stand by me, but without the maudlin, yes. you know, there is Very nothing maudlin so. about this at all. It's just about the halcyon days of summer, like being with your friends, being with your gang. Yeah, I mean, there are things, I feel like when they finally do play a game against another team, it's like they just they just win. There's nothing, there, there's not much. Th- it's pointless. sort of pointless. Sequence. Yeah, and there's not much to it. And there are things that I, I, I wish there was more of. But I like the whole thing about the dog and getting the ball back because it is when you're a kid, as as I've demonstrated with this podcast, you expound, the stories get exaggerated, you know? Mm-hmm. And and suddenly, you know, you not pooping for a week becomes you not pooping for a month and becomes <laughs> you not pooping for a year and becomes you not pooping for 15 years. But, you know, it's like I love... How, I loved how the beast becomes becomes mythic. And it's weird. Yeah. It's like, I agree with what you're saying, but despite all of that, I still, the movie still works. And I love the pool scene, you know, again, maybe because I'm thinking about, you know, the VBC and going to the pool with my friends. But like, I love all the characters. I think they're all really well-defined. Um, I, I don't know. I guess maybe if we learn more about their family life, yeah, it might have... Uh, then you'd be, you'd have something more like stand by me and would it be more of a full film possibly, but I feel like as a kid, I don't know. I've just never spoken to a kid. And again, I, I'm, I only say that cause I in, live in a neighborhood surrounded by them. I've never mm. spoken to a kid who's been like, nah, I didn't like it. I wanted more. They just love it because sure. they see this is what I do. You know, we go out, we play baseball, we, whatever we run around the neighborhood and that's what what I get from it. You know, I don't, you know, the kid learning how to play baseball in an afternoon. I didn't buy that at all. That's, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> no, that's ridiculous. No, no, no. Uh, but to me, that's, that's how the movie wins for me. Uh, no. It's, and it's just about being a kid and having that, that gang of friends where everything is so important, where everything, you know, like for us, it was about like making movies, you know, making these movies was so important, but, um, you know, and I just love Squints too. Who, by the way, go ahead. 
goes on a few years later, plays the role of Alan White in Freaks and Geeks. All comes back to Freaks wow, and Geeks. Wow, I didn't realize. Yeah, didn't plays realize the biggest. That. Yeah, it plays a, such an asshole of a character. Ah, Wonderful yeah. asshole of a character. That. But yeah. Um, and I just bought your son a T-shirt with uh, with squints. I mean, come All on, right. squints when he's when he's freaking out uh, in the pool and the lotion and oiling and oiling and lotion. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like that character. I thought so it was good. fun. That's I thought it was fun. Um, I you know it's so funny. I, everything both of you are saying. I agree with. Mm. I, I, I have never seen this movie before. You know, you say, Fred, you say it's popular with kids. It is popular with kids now. And it was popular with kids then. You know, where, that we, yeah. we just talked a lot about exactly where we all were. We were all in the same place in 1993 and we were all in college and having a very kind of specific shared experience. And this movie came out. And if you were a little kid, you know, my wife was about 10 when this came out. She remembers it very fondly. I don't think she's seen it in a long time, but she kept saying as I'm watching it, she was in the other, she was like, do you like it? Do you like it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. And I, and I was enjoying it more in the early going than I was toward the end because I had the same feeling as you, Dan. I was like, oh, this is where it's going. I was surprised by that. I thought it was going to be one of the great base. I thought it was going to be like a, like a, like a, Field of Dreams plus Major League plus Stand By Me. I thought it was going right. to be, you know, it just, I yeah. was like, what? Plus a little what bit is of the, Monster Squad what, thrown in there. What is the, <laughs> sure. What, what is the, the you know, the, the, like, what is it about this movie that. Yeah, where's uh, the magic? That makes it so, well, well, what, what, yeah, what makes it so, still so popular and still resonate and it's such a. Yeah. You know, it's it's got catchphrases and it's got, you know, people just like the Sandlot is just right up there. It's always listed up there with like the 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 great or the beloved baseball movies like League of Their Own and everything mm-hmm. else. And I like I said in my opening, I said it's less about baseball than it is about retrieving a baseball. <laughs> and yeah, that's, that's you really True. That's really, really true. And I did think, you know, and then they're making the contraptions. I was like, you know, this is such an amalgam of like it feels like. Every movie I've ever seen, <laughs> it's like there's the scenes from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids where there's I mean, a contraption the kids, right? like yeah. elevated over a lawn. And it's very Christmas story with the, you know, the, those voiceovers where I think that's what mm-hmm. literally what that writer director is trying to hearken to. He's trying to tell like a summertime version of his like coming of age yeah. story. And, Absolutely. and uh, you know, and and that's all fine and it's all good. And all the component pieces are they're fine. I don't feel like they add up to a lot, but I, but I was like, I, I felt myself having a warm response to the movie, but then I kept thinking, yeah, if, that's because you were paying yourself. If my what? Yeah, uh, it was just it was just spreading, and I was just getting warmer and wetter and better every <laughs> second. No, um, no, but I was like, if I didn't know that my wife liked this movie, that. In general, people like this movie that I know Fred's kids like this movie. If I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, if people I care, if I didn't know that people I care about like this movie, would I be tolerating this? <laughs> I don't, I, no, I really don't know because I think it does fall apart and it is less than the sum of its parts. But by the yeah. same token, I also was like, but it's sweet. It's hearts in the right place. I like the kid actors. Yeah, I love seeing Karen Allen. I don't. Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary does. Mm-hmm. Dennis Leary is weird in this movie. I mean, first oh, of all, the I like him. I think I tend to not really like scenes. Dennis Leary. Anyway, I don't. Li- I don't like him very much. He's he's not one of my favorites. And I, 
He's not in it a lot. And, yeah, but uh, you think he's going to be this asshole, yeah. but he's just a good guy who just can't connect with his kid, and then they finally do. Makes you no do effort get to, to connect with his kid. Makes there's no, not, there's zero not much effort. there. Oh, I don't I, I agree don't with that. that. I think he does. No he, effort whatsoever. I think he connects be because Karen Allen tells him to connect with the kid, yeah. and then you can see on his face that he's like, yeah, he's not yelling at him, but he's also... Yeah, it's, it's begrudging, not, you know. Yeah, and, that's and what it feels like. To and me. he's terrible at teaching him how to actually play catch. It's it's a, and then he has one or more scene after that. He's a non-character. I think I'm it's not odd. Line with you there. The, the James Earl Jones thing is very, it's like sweet, but it's very silly. And it's very, you know, I couldn't believe how short his it's appearance was. On. And that he but would, again, it's you all, know. it's, it's that mythic stuff. Maybe I'm looking at it from different eyes, but to me, it's all, yeah. it's looking at it from a kid's eyes that these are all the things that it's like remembering. And, and maybe he could have gone further with this, maybe that would, to make it even more fantastical. Like, but the idea of looking back at these stories when everything was so important and you met, you know, these things happened to you that seemed so much larger than life. Like to me, that's you were Christmas saying before. Story, and that, exactly. But that's I don't think the, this is anywhere near as good as a Christmas story. I don't think it gets to that level, mm-hmm. but I, um, I, I agree with you there, but well, actually, uh, and Christmas Story yeah. has some silly, has a lot of silly stuff, yeah. you know, and 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 kind of, you know, and I think we're going to get to that movie at some point on the schedule. But it's, uh, yeah, it's gr- and it's grown over time. I think when that movie first came out, it was kind of lukewarm, yeah, a little. It was, yeah, it was a dismissive response critically right. and stuff. It and, was, yeah, but it did pretty well in the theaters, and then of course became a gigantic oh, on TV. I I get how this movie became what it is, and I get what there is to really enjoy about it and love about it. And especially if you are a kid or were a kid when you saw it. So I, I think, I think it's, a, it's sweet, harmless. And I was, there wasn't anything that I was like, ugh, what the fuck? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, it's fine. But I did have higher expectations for it based on what I'd heard about it. And yeah, I just thought it was going to be like kind of one of those, I thought it was going to not necessarily transcend its, genre or anything like that but i thought it was you could put it alongside put it on the shelf alongside christmas story stand by me other coming of age tales or other great baseball movies and i don't think it kind of as as the coming of age like my time with my friends movie or as a baseball lovers movie i don't think it kind of you know rises to the to the top agreed you in trouble aren't you son yeah, well, uh, that was my stepdad's ball. I took it without asking. It was signed by Babe Ruth. George signed this? George Herman Ruth? Yeah. I take it back. You're not in trouble. You're dead where you stand. You insensitive asshole! But I think it's likable, and I'm going to... I'm, I'm, I'm considered recommendable, um, but I, but almost begrudgingly, like, I think I'm around like a 6.5, but I'm like, that mm. does seem a little high. I think I'm being influenced. I, I, I know I'm being influenced by the warm feelings of others towards it. And the fact that it is like perfectly, <laughs> perfectly sweet and, and it's heart is in the right place, but it, it really does feel like this David Mickey Evans. It feels like you can see the, his brain working to be like, I want to make a movie like this. I want to make a movie like this. I want to make a movie like this. And I want to make a movie like this. So I'm going to make that movie all at the same time. And ooh, right. ooh, I'm not really that compelling of narrator, but I'm going to be the narrator. <laughs> like I didn't, I, I was like, Oh, I was like, 
is it an actor doing this? And then I looked it up. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess. And that's guess who's he's playing an actor, Grown Up Smalls, yeah? No. Oh, that, it is that, not. That's oh, okay. Arliss, Arliss Howard, I that's believe, Howard, plays, yeah. oh, plays okay. Grown Up Smalls, but he's he doesn't great. do the voice. And I thought that it he was going to do be him voice. doing the voice. No, the voice is the writer-director, David Mickey Evans. I kept in touch with those guys over the years, and I found out that Yaya's parents shipped them off to military school. After the Army, he became one of the pioneering developers of bungee jumping. Of course, we all know why. Bertram, well, Bertram got really into the 60s, and no one ever saw him again. What the fuck are you talking about? I think it does do what it's trying to do, which is just to, you know, sh to present these kids and this oh, this guy's memory of these this one great summer and these great friends. And Benny is like the amalgamation. He's like the the, you know the ultimate friend. He's the guy that like everyone, you, you know, the friend that you all wished, you know, we all wished we had, you know, like the, the mysterious guy friend that you never find out anything about. And he's a total cipher. He's a complete cipher. To, as Jason would I don't say. think that's the point. That, that's not the point in this movie. You want that? Go watch stand by me and learn about, you know, Corey Haim getting beat up by his father. There's uh, Corey Haim or Corey Feldman. doesn't matter. They, They're all the they same. They were both beaten um, as children. Yeah. <laughs> no, by the like, same father. Shamone. I hate to say it. I mean, I, all my friends back then, I mean, I, I was a little closer with their family, so I shouldn't say that. But most of the time it was we met at a certain we met at the pool. We met on the football field to play, you know, to play touch football every day. It's like you meet and your relationship is what it is there. Uh, and the backstories, I get you it, know, Fred. you you're, don't you're, really know about unless your you're in the friend's friend, house. Your childhood friendships were very shallow. I get it. They Mine were. were not. I knew, I found, I asked questions of my friends. I said, how, how are you? What are you, the kind of things you like? Do you like GoBots? I prefer Transformers. Let's talk about that for an hour. Oh, I just how are your parents? That that's not this movie. This movie, I think, is for, I, I like. I said, I think it's specifically, and this it's not saying that it makes it a great movie in terms of how it's made, but it's made. It's for kids, and I think through the eyes of kids, you watch it and you say, "Fuck off," and you say, "That's what I want. That looks fun. This is great. It's all. It's 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 weird. I'm I'm I'm." I'm getting nostalgic about a movie that I was never nostalgic about or that I didn't even particularly Until you had kids. Love. I get it. You know, I you get know, it. Uh, even when I first watched it with the kids, I was like, eh, it's a little cheesy. But then, you know, watching it through their eyes. I understand. It's you opened know, the up movie to me more. It's making me think of is another 1993 movie, which is, uh, which again, I'm not saying this because you feel, <laughs> I know how you feel about the movie, Fred, but it's akin to what, my take on Hocus Pocus is because my wife loves it so much. My mother, my sister, they love Look it so much. I had never seen face. it. Look what just happened to Fred's face. He's leaving the podcast. He should leave the podcast because his defense of the Sandlot <laughs> is as weak as any defense of Hocus he Pocus. Left. And you and I both know it. He yeah, left he's, he left. <laughs> but he should leave because right, he's well, really trying to. Uh, nobody wants you to off. hear. We're talking about what? you. Hello? Don't need you to hear. We're talking about you. And how, how ridiculous you are to say that this is any, it, that your response to this oh is any God. different than the response of somebody who, you know, I can okay, say like, Can I just yeah, take the focus, listeners focus, through what just movie. happened? Wait, I have to take the listeners through because, because as Jason, as the words, the, the syllable ho came out, then cuss, and then by the time poke, and we weren't quite to us yet, Fred's face 
as the word pocus was being formed, Fred's face went to he 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 looked like he he became. Look, we talked about that guy from Poltergeist the other day. We, he, his face just lost all color. He aged thirty years. He got sallow and just sort of like his cheeks sunk in, and he just went to complete stillness. I thought Fred died. I really did. <laughs> he just went to complete stillness, and then about a half a sentence later. Fred just slowly removed his headphones and exited his recording booth. It was fantastic. It was fine. <laughs> the, the point is, I don't, I'm not keeping all that. This is this long description of a person taking off their headphones because they can't stand the truth. The truth is your response to this is like a lot of people's response to Hocus Pocus. It is a warm, fuzzy, nostalgic memory of something that is not one of the great movies of all time. I'm sorry. You can't, Listen, this is, can't nothing beats Bette Midler's teeth, you can't Kathy com- Jimmy's lip. Or whatever the other one is doing uh, in comparison to everything Smalls says and everything, the the, the non-character development of the best friend. P- plays have to, movies have to have characters is the problem, okay? Hocus Pocus at least has characters in it. This thing, Smalls is a character. Squint is kind of a character. The Fat Kid is kind of a character. Nobody else is really a character. Four Sheilas. I give it an eight Sheila. Oh, eight Sheilas. my God. <laughs> what? Hey, Chillas. What? I'm it's a highly go. enjoyable movie. I'm not going to say don't see this movie. You show you show a kid this movie, they're going to friggin' love it. I will show a kid the first half of this movie, and then I will, and then I will, dis, and then I will say, uh, let's a, write a movie from here. Let's write is, the rest is, of the movie from here. Now, I could, be, I could if watch you want those a movie about a, if you want a movie about a dog, uh, watch. Uh, <laughs> Watch uh, that movie with uh, Owen Cujo. Wilson where the dog. Watch Cujo. <laughs> watch. I was going to say that movie with Owen Wilson where the dog dies in the middle of it. I could watch an entire, Marley entire Major, forty-five watch Marley minutes. Cujo is better. Watch no, the first just half of this, then screaming watch from that dog. I could watch that over and over again. That's yeah. Fantastic. I think I think it's great that you have the nostalgic reaction to it. And like I said, I think I'm going to give it six point five. Which again, using the metric of sixty-five on a test is you just still failing. You just made it. You just, just, just made barely. It. You yeah. just passed. Um, because, yeah, I and I was like all revved up to, to really love it, to really enjoy it, to be like, wow, this is, to make a discovery the way, because I had never seen Major League before. When we watched Major League, I was like, oh my God, what a great fucking baseball movie. Like, I never thought I was going to like that movie as much as I did. So I was primed for that. And then I was like, I'm enjoying this pleasant. Oh, this is from that movie. This is from that movie. Oh, this is a, there's a sprinkle of fast times and Caddyshack at the pool and the girl and the, you know, there's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. That's very Christmas story. That's very this. That's very, oh, is it the dog's a puppet? Why? Okay. And, uh, <laughs> but, because he's know, the and beast. Then, he's mythical. And then, I, and then I remembered Honey, I Shrunk the Kid when they were like, you know, hovering over it. And I was thinking of Jack Nicholson saying, it's not acting. But I, uh, about his good friend, the Ricker or Dicky Moranis. But um, go back to episode one. one, one, one. It, was episodes, it was episode six. Um, but, but, but no. So I and I was like, I like all these component parts, but I didn't. Yeah, I wasn't like I wasn't moved. I wasn't. Um, 
I wasn't super invested in the kids' journeys, but it but it hit all the right, you know, it it, it hit it hit the notes. It hit the notes. It this like indecent proposal is a coloring book, but a coloring book is for children. And like you say, this is for children. And <laughs> that's, that's that is put. correct. That's perfectly. Yeah, I'm put. probably I'm probably up shielding it. you know, it's sure. I don't know. I've, sure. I've I, how many things have we been like? Oh, I love it. We've all had those things on this podcast where like I have a, I have the warm fuzzies for this movie it, and I have my reasons and they're good reasons, but they are not the common or they or actually in your case, it probably is the received wisdom. I mean, this is a popular movie. This is a beloved movie. But I think if you it's where you you came at it around the same time we all did. I mean, you came at it as an adult, but you came at it through the eyes of your yeah. children. Through the eyes of a child. And it's Which so weird because it's. It's not even my nostalgia. It's like my kids' nostalgia for it. Sure. You know, that's that's the weird thing. Of course, of course. That makes perfect sense. So I get it. I get it. So yeah, 6.5 for me. Um, I thought it was going to be, I was hoping I could get it up to a 7, but like like Woody Harrelson, I'm failing <laughs> to like get it you all could, the way up. Like Woody Harrelson, <laughs> you couldn't get it up to a 7. Couldn't get it up to a 7. And so... My wife left me for Robert Redford. <laughs> <laughs> Did your wife? Now I remember when we watched uh, the Sting. Your wife was like, "Oh my God, Robert Redford's handsome." Did she feel the same way uh, oh, in this? Did. Oh sure, oh, she okay. was like, she okay. kept saying she was like, he could still get it. <laughs> she oh. was like, ah. in other words, she wouldn't even need the milk. She'd be like, "Yeah, thirty bucks." I'd do. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, come I'm fine. On. I mean, I'm, fine with I'm, I'm a decent looking man, but, you know, Robert Redford. Um, he's very handsome. He's a very handsome fellow. And that was 30 years ago. But then I was like, I know. What does he look like today? I mean, I we saw him not Still too long screen. ago in. Uh, all is lost. He was in. He was in uh, yeah, Endgame. All is lost and uh, the Cap- Captain America and Endgame. Yeah. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. Still, still handsome. Still, still handsome. Yeah. He's a handsome you can't, devil. You can't. You can't. Get rid of handsome like that. You can't scrub oh, that off. Oh, you can't scrub that off. <laughs> All right, I'll sleep with him. Fine. How much are you giving me? How much are you giving me? I'll do it. Hey, I'm Rip Taylor. Could you die? <laughs> as an actor, I've had the chance to perform on Broadway in the movies and on TV. And as a comedian, I've thrown confetti all over the world. <laughs> But as a child, my world was made up of abusive parents and foster homes. And to save myself, I developed a code of comedy and eventually made a career of it. You've got to be fucking kidding. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Opening Weekend. Next time, we will return with a look back at April 1996's Flirting with Disaster, starring Ben Stiller and Taya Leone and directed by David O. Russell, and James and the Giant Peach, the stop-motion animation adaptation of Roald Dahl's classic children's book directed by The Nightmare Before Christmas's Henry Selick. That's next time on Opening Weekend. Dan, what you got for us? I don't know, Fred. What should I, I do? Tequila. 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 Do, what was that? What movie was it in? That was, was in the Sandlot. It was an indecent, was an indecent proposal. What do you think it was in? It was <laughs> Is that the what they first made love to? And yeah, when he says, "Dance with me," while while he was eating his ass. You could do strut from uh, Sheena Easton. Bing bang. Or you do. Or you could do. My sugar walls wasn't that a Sheena Easton? Oh, Is there a song about hippopotami? No, I used to masturbate was furiously to sugar walls. <laughs> come on! Wow, oh, I used to I masturbate know. furiously to tequila. So oh, come on, good, good. Uh, to the drink and the song. 
Now, yeah, tequila's wh- playing wh- where does when it the appear? dog is chasing, when the beast is chasing uh, Benny all through the town. And how does it go? No, wait, that's Willy Bully. That's that's tequila go. Oh, that's Wipeout. Oh, I'm doing Wipeout. What's tequila? Oh, was it? Wait, bang. That's tequila. Let's look it up and see. Hold on. Oh, maybe Wipeout was the song. They're both. They're both in the Sandlot. Tequila and Wipeout are both in the Sandlot. They're both in there. Just pick a song from the '60s. It's probably in the Sandlot. Okay, you look. No, wait, no. I'll do. I'll, I'll do. Uh, yeah, Wipeout was definitely that was the song when the dog is when the beast is chasing. Wipeout, the lion sleeps tonight. Those are both in the sand line. Oh, yeah. I'll do the lion sleeps yeah. tonight. How about that? That's a good okay. one. That's a good. Right. I'll, do, I'll do tequila. I'll do lion sleeps tonight, and then into tequila. I gotta okay, sing that song every let me, night. Let me I gotta see hear if, it. I gotta hear it with your hands farting it. Okay. okay. Yes, tequila. Right. Oh that's yes, right. tequila is in there. Tequila is in there on the on the soundtrack. Okay. Okay. So Here yeah, go. you've got you've got options. <laughs> Ready? Lion sleeps tonight, and then tequila. Like that, right? That's how fantastic. Go. Yeah, go back. I want to hear the Oh wait. <laughs> well done. Well done. There we go. And then. You filled in every page of the coloring book with that one. And the color is brown. I thank you so much for joining us today to hear the poopy jokes. And laugh along the way. It's tequila and the lion and the beast and Redford too. This proposal is indecent, so are you. Good night, fuckface. My world was made up of abuse. The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.